Welcome back to yet another episode of the Courting the Field podcast. I'm joined here today with my co-host, Sean Flannery. What's good, Sean? What's up, CJ? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We got a, a good show for you guys today, man. We got um, Draymond Jones, a defensive tackle for the uh, Denver Broncos. Gary is great content, great guy. Uh, it'll be a good episode. And I can't wait for you guys to check that out. But before we do anything, we have to talk about our Cavs versus the Nets last night, man. What's your initial takeaways and what were you thinking as that game was going on, Sean? So I think, I think that for the Nets in their big three, I think it's tough that they had to go against the Cavs who statistically right now in their, in their first game to go against the Cavs statistically right now, the Cavs have the best defense in the league. They are a team with absolutely nothing to lose. You know, they have guards that are feisty that play defense and Sexton can go off like he did last night or two nights ago, whatever it will be. Um, and then they have big men that just bang on the inside and get rebounds. So, you know, it's probably not the ideal team for the Nets to start off a, their, their big three with just on based on chemistry issues and, and defense. And I think that's where the biggest, one of the biggest issues for me after watching that game is, you know, the Cavs scored, I think 140 some points, which is the most in years or whatever. And, uh, you know, they really didn't have anyone that stepped up and said, I'm going to shut Colin Sexton down, like, or I'm going to, you know, make sure Larry Nance isn't hitting this, this three in the corner to tie the game in our overtime. But, you know, I, I don't want to have a, a big reaction to it because it is the first game, but there definitely is some concerns going forward. And, and I think it starts defensively, but, you know, offensively, I, I thought Harden was the one that kind of controlled the show for them. Yeah, I agree. I don't really have any, like, big takeaways from the game itself. Like you said, it was the first game together. Um, we don't judge anyone else off the first game, so why would I judge them? But I, I will say the concerns about them going into the game, I think, were magnified after the game. Like you said, defensively, they don't really have anybody on that roster where I can, like, I trust saying, hey, go shut his water off, like, for a quarter or go shut his water off for, like, a possession here or there. Like, they, like, is Katie a good individual defender? I Hell yeah, I saw him in Golden State for three years. I, I know what he's capable of. But I don't know if I want to have my best scorer expend all of his energy guarding the other guy's best player as well. Like, even LeBron, even in his peak and his powers, he only guarded the best players towards the end of the games when it was most necessary. He always had another guy who would take the weight off of him for the majority of the game. Who is that guy for them right now? So, like... I think that's where they're going to have to, you know, the roster won't be the same come playoff time. I get that. So that's why, like, my reactions are minimum right now. But like you said, the concerns going into the game were defense and rebounding, and they were magnified against a Cavs, a Cavs team who was undermanned but was hungry as hell to come out with a win. Yeah, and I think, I mean, going back to what we said before and you said is, you know, the Cavs had nothing to lose there. You know, they're playing the first game with this big three that's been talked about everywhere on all ESPN, wherever, all sport outlets for the past week. And the Cavs are the first team to do it. Like they have nothing to lose. I don't think people understand that is they're, they're going to give their best shot of the entire season, probably in this game. So, I mean, there's that, but also I think it goes back to what you said in, in our previous podcasts about them is, you know, they don't have that, that leader, that dog. And um, you know, you kind of think about previous championships, obviously with the Lakers, like LeBron is probably that guy, you know, defensively, you know, he's probably going to get a stop against, uh, you know, Steph KD most of the time, you know, when he needs to, Draymond was that with the Warriors. Um, I mean, you go back to the great teams of, you know, the Spurs had a few guys like Bruce Bowen, 
um, Kobe was there and you just go down the list and, uh, you know, they don't really have that alpha male, like you said, um, on the team. And I think that's kind of where it hurt them late in the game yesterday is, you know, Sexton started hitting some shots and they were kind of all looking around, like, you know, who, who on our team is about to be, you know, knocking down three in a row, you know, Jeff Green hit a big shot and, you know, five days ago, no one would have said it. Jeff Green should have shoot the ball in the, in crunch time, but it, it just comes down to, I think them, you know, kind of even, evening things out. Uh, offensively, whether it's Harden kind of running the point or Kyrie, but you know it, it's growing pains that I'm sure will be smoothed out, you know, as we as we go forward. Yeah, and I think we talked about this off air a little bit. I'm not too concerned with the depth of the team because if we're being real, how many teams are really ten deep when they win a championship? Like, but I'm concerned about there's not one guy on that team right now who I trust as a defender, and I think that's the 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 disconnect that I am with the team. Do I think, do I think they need to get a bench? No, not really. I mean, they're always going to have a superstar on the court at all times. Like what, when Katie's out the game, Harden and Kyrie are going to be out there, vice versa. I don't think they really need any more talent per se in that regard, but they need some stoppers bad. I don't know. A PJ Tucker will be huge for them. I don't know. I know Covington's probably off the board now, but uh, an addition like that where you're literally, your job is to just to do the dirty work. You ain't stand in the corner and look cute on offense, but on the other end, we need you to, you know, lock up the other dude's best player or at least get in their face a little bit and that they're lacking that severely right now. Yeah, and, and the offense is going to work itself out. You know, they have too many prolific scorers for it to not work. You know, it's just going to work itself out. And, and I think the big part is, you know, DeAndre Jordan comes out of the game respect, respectfully so. You know, they, they want to go smaller and, you know, stretch the floor a little bit more. But you know, that's when their defense falls off. You know, their rebounding falls off. And I think the Cavs getting Jared Allen from them is big, you know, just because he's a little bit more versatile than, than DeAndre Jordan. And, frankly, he's a better defender, you know, it's just straight up. But, like, P.J. Tucker's, I don't understand how the Nets, you know, make the deal for Harden and, you know, don't include, you know, whatever small asset it might be or take one asset away from, from that deal just to get P.J. Tucker because – you know, uh, of that role that, you know, the Nets want him to play and need a guy to, to fill that position. So it, it's strange to me that they didn't, you know, try to get, make that work. But like I said, it's growing pains. And I'm sure, you know, come, you know, a week from now, we'll be talking about how great the Nets are. So, yeah, like that team I saw against Milwaukee was phenomenal. And they didn't have they didn't stop nobody against Milwaukee either. They just outscored him at the end. So, I, yeah, they'll they'll make it work like like the greats always do. But what I do want to talk about us being from Cleveland, I think it's time to put some stock in our calves and, and and start buying it, man. I Like Sexton, I mean, being from Cleveland, we have a close up uh, look at him. So we get to see him get to see him grow. Bro's hooping and he's been doing this. Like this isn't like I know he dropped 40 yesterday and that was probably his biggest, I don't know, platform, but he's been doing this. So, I mean, you got him. I love the Coral pick especially with the undersized backcourt, you need somebody who can play defense. And he looked like he has much more than a three and D game on the offensive end of the court. I love the Jared Allen pickup. Larry Nance is really like a, I don't want to say great role player, but he's been in the gym. I love Larry Nance. Obviously we were missing Kevin Love yesterday. We were missing Garland. Whatever's going on with KPJ, I hope that situation gets figured out. But if we can get him back, I would love that as well. Look, y'all can say it right. I'll say it on the podcast right now. The Cavs will be in the play in at worst come playoff time. That's how much confidence I got in my guys. I love it. Uh, and it honestly is not too far fetched to say that we're, we're sixth right now in the East. Yeah, I think so. 
you know, I know it's only a few weeks in here, but like they look good. They have a great defense or so it may seem. And Sexton plays like this. Like there's no way that we aren't in the playing game. And as a fan, I think we were talking about this off air too, is, you know, it might kind of suck, you know, being one of the first teams out of the playoffs or one of the first teams to get in and then get bounced in the first round. But at the same time, um, I think you mentioned this is it's probably good for a young group to kind of get that playoff experience you know, to play a seven game series and just kind of get a taste of, of what it is and see what it takes to get there. You know, so if Sexton, you know, has a few bad games, then, you know, the Cavs are probably one of the worst teams in the league, honestly, but they do have great pieces around. And I like the O'Carroll, O'Carroll pick, O'Carroll, Isaac, whatever. Um, when it, when we made it, I think it was a great fit. Like you said, having a, a bigger guard or bigger wing guy on the, out there to play defense, but um, we're very young and hopefully a few trades here and there. We're obviously a couple years away from, you know, being a, any contender that even, you know, perennial playoff team. So uh, it's a, obviously a bright side or a bright sign seeing them, you know, compete and Saxon have the game he did last night. Yeah, I agree. And with us being so young, we also have some vet pieces that will probably get moved soon. So that adds to that youth. I mean, I think Kevin Love still has two years left on his deal. Um, I know he can't stay healthy, but even getting just a, a late first round pick for him will be huge or getting another expiring deal for him just to create some cap space. Obviously, drumming the way he's playing, shit, the Nets might pull out a 20, 35 pick to go get his ass. Like it, we have some assets to improve even the youth of this team. I like the direction that we're going in. Uh, Cleveland sports are on the way up. I mean, obviously, the Indians probably saying fuck you to that, but it's cool. <laughs> the Browns looking good. My Cavs looking good. I can't ask for much more. Well, I think the great thing is for the Cavs is, you know, you pick up Jared Allen, who is, I would say, your solidified big man moving forward. I think he's 22 years old. You have Sexton, you have Garland, who, you know, you should be your backcourt going forward unless something drastic happens here. You got Arcuro, who's your wing, you know, maybe not your your starting wing at this point, you know, that you, you'd like to have, but who knows what happens in the future with him. So, you might be just a few pieces out. Larry Nance is on a big deal to stay with the Cavs for a little bit longer. And he seems to be a, a guy that we want to keep around and he could stretch the floor a little bit more than I thought. And, you know, once Kevin Love, you know, gets off the books, Andre Drummond, you know, that frees up a little bit more cap space, a few more draft picks. I, I We're going in the right direction. It just depends on, you know, the, the draft pick. Like you said, it's, it's great when it's a pick, but when it becomes a name, it's, you know, it, it's tough. And, and especially, uh, in a city like Cleveland where you have to rely on a draft to improve. Like I always say, draft picks look good on when they look, when they're a pick, but as soon as they become a name, you're like, ah, oh, shit. But I, I, to our defense though, I think we've hit on our draft picks lately. I love the Sexton pick, the garden pick, like, like it's, it's going to work. Um, Coral looked good. Even KPJ with, with all of his, I guess, flaws or whatever's going on with that situation. I, I mean, I, he looked right. good the year he, the, the year he was out there. I trust our scouting department and our front office to whatever pick we have this year to, to make the right decisions. And I think that that's probably one of the more inspiring things is that, you know, you're playing under a first full year head coach for the Cavs and you have such a young group mixed with a few veterans, but it says a lot about, I think our team being, you know, number one statistically in defense, you know, and then having a game like against the Nets like that, and you just kind of watch – they're a fun team to watch because they do play so hard. 
and it's not just shooting threes and it's not just one-on-one -on -one basketball. You know, you see they ran the zone last night against them and it worked. Harden didn't know what to do, but it's just a fun team to root for. And I think it says a lot about, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff and his coaches just getting these guys who were probably picked, you know, worst three in the league coming into the season. And, you know, right now, like CJ said, they have a good chance of making the playing game for the playoffs. Hey, man, y'all write it down, man. Y'all can clown me if y'all want to. We getting 10 seed at minimum this year. I'm looking at the <laughs> East and I'm, I'm looking at teams and I'm like, we can rock, like, come on, like Detroit, not worried about y'all. The Wizards, not worried about y'all. Bulls, not worried about y'all. Hornets, not really worried about y'all. Magic, cool, whatever. Knicks, we handled y'all. We ain't worried about y'all either. I mean, we can hold on to a smooth 10 seed. I mean, the, the Raptors and Heat will bounce back, I imagine. I don't know. The homer and me might be talking, but I got faith in my guys. <laughs> hey, the Browns look good. That's all that matters right hey, now. Man. We on the way up, man. Anything else you got? <laughs> Uh, I'm just excited for Draymond, for you guys to hear him. So it's a good podcast, good guy to talk to, good person. So looking forward to that. And you'll be hearing Draymond, hearing from Draymond shortly after this commercial break. Join here today with a special friend of ours. Uh, we grew up in the city of Cleveland together. I uh, went to St. Ignatius High School, Ohio State for his collegiate years, and now he plays for the Denver Broncos. Draymond Jones, what's good? How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. All right, Dre, we'll get right into it. I appreciate you coming on. I know your season just wrapped up a little bit ago, but, you know, just talk to us about what's going on with you, uh, where you're at right now, what, what the next uh, couple months, weeks, you know, hold ahead of you. Um, where I'm at this year, I'm doing something a little bit more different. Last year, I feel like after the season, I hopped right into it after my rookie year. And then after playing, like I started rolling more this year and just getting my body on those reps and so much time under attention on my knees and my, the rest of my joints. Uh, I figured I'd take about four weeks off, really get my mind right. Much needed R&R. &R. Still in Denver right now, not for much longer. Just I heard messing around getting tattoos, but really just it's more of a mental reset than it is physical. So I'm just chilling. No, that, that's, that's interesting because I think a lot of people on the outside perspective, you know, as a fan would say, like, you know, your season ends, then you just hop right back into, you know, weight, weights, you know, training, whatever it may be. But you know, you see it's a long-ass season and you guys are hitting each other going full go, grown-ass men, uh, every single play. Like, it's got to take a toll on your body week for week. And then, you know, you get to the offseason. I'm sure all you want to do is rest. But, you know, what is what is the like, the training aspect? You know, when does that pick up coming here shortly? Uh, I talked to my trainer like a week ago, a little less than that, actually. And I uh, told him I'll be heading back to town probably next week. So I'll probably start with something light, like very, like, I would say like banded lifts and cardio just to get back into shape with everything. And then I'll start picking up the weights gradually. Cause I don't, I don't want to throw my body back into the fire again after taking so much time off. I'm out of shape right now. Um, I'm not doing anything. I'm eating, I'm not eating terrible, but like my diet isn't as like consistent. I'm not eating three meals a day. I'm eating like twice a day. So just getting back into, into that regiment like I was before in the past. So it's just a slow process. Now, are you one of the guys who trains with, you know, other NFL guys, or do you go back to your roots and, uh, and train by yourself? Uh, last year, because I didn't know where to go or what to do, I trained by myself to start off with, which is fine. But it's, you don't get the same motivation from somebody barking in your ear. And giving you not really advice, it's, you already know it, but, you know, just give you those, like, those mental reminders, like, hey, pick it up or push yourself or go harder. But that's what I needed and a different type of workout plan. So I went to my guy, his name is Jackson. And um, I found him within the, the later years of last year, around May. And we went hard for about 
two and a half to three months before I went back out to Colorado for camp and I'm hitting I'm hitting back up. Well, that's what I've been talking to. I'm gonna hit them up soon. We're gonna get things these things rolling. For sure, for sure. So you went to Ohio State, uh, had a great career there. Um, just kind of talk about uh, you know, the culture at Ohio State, you know, what it meant for you to, you know, play there at we we had Ian Book on a few weeks ago and you know, I talked to talked to him about like tiers in college football these days, and you kind of have mm-hmm. the Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson at the very top. And you know, you're coming from a school that, you know, it's either college football playoffs, national championship, or bust. Uh, you know, what's that like? What was it like playing for like at Ohio State, playing with great players? Um, as fun as it was, it was a very intense environment because that mindset was championship playoffs or a bust. So it was hard to really bask in always in the enjoyment of it. It's like if you play teams like, you know, I don't know, Minnesota, and you don't blow them out, you're not really satisfied with the outcome. Like if you went by 10, coach is kind of pissed off. You're kind of pissed off because they like instilled this like winning and above everything else mindset. So you get kind of used to that. And it's definitely humbling when you get to the NFL and it's not, it's not like that anymore. Everyone's kind of leveled out. For sure. Well, that's, I mean, that, that has to be tough. You know, you're in the big 10, probably one of the better conferences in the country, but at the same time, like you're expected to, you know, basically beat up on every single team, maybe one or two close games, but you're expected to win those games at the same time. So I'm sure that's just a lot of pressure added to you guys. And, you know, it's probably just tough, you know, being in that environment. It was, definitely was, especially with Urban. Talk about Urban. What was he like? Because, I mean, from an outside perspective, you see how intense he is. You, everyone gives him raving, glowing reviews. Like, how was he? Oh, I mean, he was, he was cool. I don't mean, he's very strict. Um, probably, definitely wasn't my favorite coach, but he was okay. I mean, he recruited me. I appreciate him for that. But uh, it's not really much I can say on Urban. He was a, he was a stern man. He had a, a certain regimen about him. He had a certain way about him that, you know, if you didn't follow his ways, it kind of was the, like the highway, which just like every other head coach, but it's a little different. Um, but, you know, people have, their, people have their opinion of him. I don't want that to change. So my opinion of him is he was a good coach. He was a, a good leader. He did the best he could while he was Ohio State. And uh, we, we won because of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, he, um, he's definitely known for, you know, having that even keel demeanor on the sidelines for sure. But that's where I think, you know, like the biggest – you know, elevation from high school to college at the, high, the highest level in colleges, you know, everything is a business, you know, everything is, is ran, you know, strictly, you know, whether it's the coaching, the players, whatever it may be, you know, everything seems to go just, you know, everything's very strict and you know, everything's serious, which kind of goes back to, you know, a lot of pressure on you as a player, but yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. Now talk about how much, talk about the guys that you, that you play with, because the years that you were at Ohio State, you got there the year after the Natty, but they were still loaded. I mean, you played with a, a plethora of first-round picks, even on the, the defensive line that you, like, share with. Just talk about, like, that talent. Did it? What, how were practices? Were they intense? Did you guys motivate each other? Were you guys talking about, you know, pushing each other to get to the next level? Just how was that yeah. environment? Oh, no, the practices were intense as hell. Like, especially around bowl time, like, it was them there fight every day. So just to name off so many players, it was a – There'd be fights between Taylor Decker, who's a first rounder, who plays with Detroit Lions, and Joey Bosa, who's a, I think, I think his name speaks for itself, where they would get in fights. Uh, Eli Apple, a former, a former Ohio State player, former first rounder, was going, was drawn to Mike Thomas every day. Uh, we had Braxton in that mix. We had Zeke in that mix. We had Billy Price, first rounder, Pat Elfline, third rounder. 
Um, shoot, Sam Hubbard was a part of that mix. Taekwon Lewis was second, second and third rounders. Um, unspoken and unheard of leaders that we had. It was so many of them that may have gone undrafted or had a shot at NFL, but no one knows who they are. But I mean, they were a part of that mix that just bring the intensity into practice. I mean, be, being a freshman at that time and not really playing because I had an ACL injury. I was kind of on the outside looking in and just kind of being spooked by everything. I mean, it almost felt like the NFL for me, the guys are so big and strong and fast. And I wasn't like really used to that coming out of high school where I, I thought it was very prestige, but it didn't really, it didn't really hold up to the standards of Ohio State type of football. So it was definitely, it was definitely scary, but it was fun. Absolutely. Uh, we talked about the college football playoffs a little bit in 2016, you guys went, lost to Clemson, unfortunately, but you know, what's it like, you know, that was one of the first years, I think they began doing the playoffs, but what's that like, you know, the atmosphere, you know, the intensity playing in a, in a playoff format? Um, it was, it was crazy intense. You know, I was, I was well before COVID and that's when you read the environment of the, uh, the fans and everything and your fans and their fans drawn at it. And then you got fans booing you, you can really going out with the, really going out on the field, really talking, talking your shit like you, like you normally do. It was crazy, especially going against uh, Deshaun Watson. He was like the man of the man at that time too in college. So that was, that was a hell of an environment. It was hella fun. Copy, copy. Now, um, Plan, you got anything else on Ohio State? Yeah, I was just going to like, you know, you talked about the atmosphere. Uh, it probably doesn't get any better than, you know, college football playoffs. But you guys playing the Big Ten, you played in some crazy stadiums, atmospheres. Do you have like a favorite place? Obviously, at home, I'm sure it's probably great at Ohio State. But you got a, a favorite spot to play? Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, it's been my, it's been the same way since I played them. It was Wisconsin, 2016 led by T.J. Watt and those boys and went to like double overtime and we won after being down by a lot. So that was a crazy experience. Did you do the jump around too? Huh? Did you do the jump around as well? <laughs> no, I didn't do the jump around. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you have like a, uh, maybe this might be like a college and NFL question, I guess, but like as a defensive lineman, who is like the toughest player you've gone up against on the O-line, but also as a quarterback position too? That's tough. I feel like I went through a loaded question, yeah. Um, Quarterback-wise, who is the toughest just mentally? I'll say Baker, Oklahoma. Forgot he, was him. he was the only quarterback that I felt like that was like really talking shit. <laughs> uh, what was the other question? <laughs> question? I forgot. Well, Offensive lineman. Who who other um, who other offensive linemen? You can name a few too. It doesn't have to be just one. I can't remember his name, but he played at Michigan. He ended up being a practice squad player for the Browns. He was old. He was a fifth year round as a freshman. He was like, he was tough. Uh, NFL wise, I would say dude named Gabe Jackson. For the Raiders, the right guard, number 66, yeah. big body boy, wide body. <laughs> I, I, he, he was just at 6'3", 340. I'm like, shit, like, this dude's big as hell. Like, I'm, I'm 6'4", <laughs> like, this dude. He gave me, like, I feel like he gave me my biggest challenge for the NFL so far. Um, I'll say, but yes, about it. That's about uh, it. I ask everyone who comes on this the same question, so I got to ask you as well. What was your welcome to the NFL moment where you said, holy shit, I'm really a professional football player. Like, anything that, like, 
somebody put you on your ass or like you made yeah. a play that you didn't think will happen? Like what happened? Uh, I got put on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was rookie year. It was preseason against uh, Seattle after I feel like we played Atlanta the first game. Yeah, it was, so it was the second game. Technically our first, but it was our second game with uh, the Seahawks. And they're running a zone play to my side. And I got rocked. And I, I had no idea who the hell, like, hit me. I was confused. I'm like, what the just happened to me? Like, I just, <laughs> one minute I'm running, next thing I'm on the ground looking confused. I remember the crowd was going like, ooh. And like, so, like everybody saw that. And then, like, my teammate told me, his wife even saw it. Like, a couple of my teammates told me, uh, asked me, was I okay? I went back to the sideline. People asked me, was I okay? Was I okay? And I remember the next day watching film as a whole entire defense. Everybody had looked back at me and just like, Welcome to the NFL, rookie. <laughs> that was the funniest. That was the funniest shit ever to me. But I don't know who the tight end is, but he cracked the hell out of it. You, you don't know who it is because you just don't know the name or you can't remember from that big hit. I don't know his name. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. No, I do have to say that's that's the best story we've got so far on that question for sure. So I thought it was a receiver at first. I was nervous. Like, was that a receiver? Like, oh fuck. <laughs> It's no, a little bit better. <laughs> now you. So what? Go ahead. Go ahead. So you play in the AFC West, and so you know what question is going to come next. You play against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs two times a year, and I did see that you got your first sack this year against Patty. So like, just yeah. talk to me about preparation against the Chiefs. What is it like playing against such an explosive offense? Is the building different? I mean, I know it's a rivalry of some sort. So like, how is the what's the mood around the uh, the building and just the preparation in general when it comes to playing against those guys? I mean, I think you know we always keep it the same, the same and kind of like every the same. We prepare the same, but it's a little extra out of the coaches and out of the and out of the players a little bit because we know what type of team we're going against. I mean, we I think I walk into a program where we lost to them I think eight straight times. So we're like eight zero oh and eight, and I'm zero oh and four against them. So I mean. No, we're 0-10 now, but I'm 0-4 against them. And it's kind of that extra edge because we haven't beaten these guys in so long. And then they got they got Pat Mahomes, who who felt like – who I felt like has, like, literally come out of nowhere for, like, these past three years. Went from just a rookie behind Alex Smith into the man of the, the year, I feel like, in the NFL. He's, like, the face of the NFL. And they got so many weapons. Then uh, number 10, number number 17, tight end 87, Kelsey. Uh, they got the running back, LSU. Um, they got Bell. They got a Pro Bowl right tackle. They got Tyron Matthew. They got Chris Jones. They got Nadi from Florida State. They got so many good players. It doesn't make any damn sense on how good they are. It's, it's, it's <laughs> and the goal against them twice a year is definitely a challenge, along with those Raiders, along with those those Chargers. Man, it's, I feel like we definitely got the hardest the hardest conference in the AFC. Not for sure. Not and you talk about the Chiefs having some good players. You guys. Obviously, have a few on on the defensive side too with Denver, but Von Miller being probably the the biggest name. What what's it been like playing with him? You know, has, has he taught you anything? I'm, I'm sure he has, but his leadership, anything stood out to you? Oh, uh, just how he always motivates himself every day. He's definitely a, a excellent self motivator, and that translates into us being motivated by him because he's not always vocal. Because like leaders like that, they, he's not he's not the raw raw type of leader, which is as getting your face. They let you. He's kind of just like. I'm gonna talk to you to the side. I'm gonna I'm I'm joke around with you, but also I'm gonna teach you a little something too about pass rush and how I get do things and how I see things when I play. And he's very intelligent when it comes to the, like understanding the office alignment and how to read them. I mean, he's been successful for ten plus years now. Well, yeah, 
going on 11 years now, but Bond is just is an amazing person and leader. So if anybody has anything negative to say about him, you're pretty much wrong. I got to talk about the other side of the ball too. You know, Drew Locke, my boy at quarterback, I, I think I instantly became a fan when I saw that video of him on the sidelines. I think he was like singing along to some future song maybe, but Young you know, my bad. But uh, I think CJ has a question about the quarterback coming up here soon. But, you know, how is he as a person, a player? You know, he seems like a cool dude. So I, I'm just wondering from that standpoint. Yeah, Drew's a really laid back, cool dude. You know, doesn't always say too much type of guy. Like he's always like, you know, off to the side. But he's like a a quiet, like quiet competitor. Like he's always with the, he's always with the shits if, if, if things get tough. I feel like it all, it all comes down to is, um, him just growing as a quarterback. I think in this league nowadays with quarterbacks, especially, we don't have much patience for players to grow. And I think Drew's grown. I think Drew's going to continue to grow. I mean, I know he has a lot of negative media about him, but I mean, I, I don't know. I'm definitely one of those people that will always have faith in him. And not, 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 I'm not just saying this because I'm on the podcast for y'all. I'm talking to y'all. But it's just like, I just, I've, as I've always felt, I mean, no matter how much he struggled, I feel like he can, he can turn into that guy because I've seen games and I've seen how he's, He's played through our practice where he's shown me some shit. I'm like, damn, like he really has the potential to be a really good quarterback. You just got to keep rolling with the punches. You just need time to learn, understand the playback and the defense. So, gotcha. Got to live it for him. For sure. Talking about Drew and just the rest of your team in general, y'all young as hell. Like when I, like when you think about the Broncos, like y'all got obviously the receiving core is young as hell. Melvin Gordon <laughs> and Lindsey are both young. I mean, you got you on defense and a, a plethora of still young guys on that on that side of the ball as well. And I just think about all the injuries you guys had, you guys had and yourself included. Just talk about how, um, how, how it is being on a team with so many young guys? Is the locker room different? Um, just talk about that youth. Uh, with, with that youth being like that, it's, it's almost like college a little bit, but you no, know, a little more mature, but it's like college where we're gonna, we're all young as hell in the locker room, messing around, chilling. There's no like, not much seriousness in terms of like, hey, yo, I'm, I'm here to do my job and get the hell out of here and go to my kids. It's not, it's not like that at all. It's, it's also, it's a welcoming environment. Like, that's not what I expect out of the NFL. Uh, especially my first year there when we were a little older, it was a lot of like that because we still had those couple guys that played in that Super Bowl in 2015. There, and then us, the us and them mixing together, it, it kind of created some tension in the locker room a little bit. It, it was a couple of, you know, disagreements that we had in the locker room and after the game before the game or even at practice. But I think with us being this young, I think we have a lot of potential. We just need to continue to band together and sit together. I mean, I feel like there's no reason to break this apart, especially us being so young and having a bright future as much as we do. For sure, for sure. Now, are there any, um, you being a young D lineman, you obviously, you're a sponge. You take any advice from anybody. Like, what D lineman do you try to emulate or you take advice from or you just see their game and you want to take bits and pieces from that? Uh, Nobody on my team, really. I I wanted to take any piece of their game and make it to my own. But just from watching around the league, just watching the best, it's like you have no other choice but to want to be like them. Not going to name plenty from Chris Jones of the Chiefs, Grady Jarrett, Atlanta Falcons, Aaron Donald, obviously. Um, shoot, Miles Garrett a little bit. Uh, it's, it's, it's so many. Like Cameron Hayward, Steelers, Pittsburgh. It's, it's Fletcher Cox of uh, Philly. 
it's so many it's so many great older players out there that's kind of like set the tone how a D tackle should be in the NFL and you kind of like want to emulate that they've been so successful so what like you know you playing at Ohio State like we said you know the highest level college sports and going to the NFL what, what was like the biggest adjustment for you or was it on the field off the field but what was the biggest adjustment you'd, you'd say it was definitely on the field with um, trying to get accustomed to college ball because, you know, high school, you're really, you're really baby. College, you're baby some, but not as much. Not really at all, Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I feel like I got thrown into the fire fast because I got thrown into a, a pool of guys that are freaking amazing. I mean, I got I Joey as the, the leading guy in the room. He had Sam Hubbard, who went third round to Cincinnati. Jalen, who went fourth round to the, the Vikings. Taekwondo went second round to the Colts. Um, those guys were definitely the people in my room. We had Adolphus Washington, I forgot about. Oh, yeah. their bills. Um, those guys, you know, being as talented as they were, motivated me. I mean, they were they were hard in the room. They they had a no build bullshit mentality. You say you say as a as a freshman, you say anything stupid or dumb, they they all calling you out and your shit and laughing at you like you're an idiot. I'm like, damn, dude, like I was just really asking a question for coach, you know, so I didn't want y'all to come with my neck like this. But it was almost like you, as a freshman, you really had to just shut up. And our motto was, you're a freshman, you don't know that you don't know. So be quiet and learn. And that was tough to really get caught into, especially the weight room environment. It went from somebody chill like Ayn to I had Mickey Marotti, who was on my ass every day, like drilling me. I mean, I wasn't, I was leaving a weight room in a, in a pool of my own sweat. Like it was crazy. So. <laughs> That was a big, the biggest adjustment, just the the the, the environment of your of the, of your players around you, and then plus the strength. Because I I wasn't that, at that strong at all coming to college. I barely I, lifting. To be honest with you. No, hold on. We gotta talk about that though. So <laughs> for y'all who don't know, I knew Dre probably from I don't know fourth fifth grade. Dre back in the day, he was he was a hooper. You know, big as hell. Obviously, you know he was a hooper. He was like that. You know every. I feel like black kid who's semi-tall, you think you're going to the league, NBA, at least. Yeah. And Dre was like that. So then when Dre got to Iggy, I thought he was going to be a hooper too. And then, I don't know, I closed my eyes, opened back up, and now everybody's talking about, oh, Dre going football, Ohio State. I'm like, man, y'all tweaking the Dre. I knew he hated football. He was a hooper. So just yeah. talk about that transition from growing up to, you know, using those basketball skills and translating it into the football field. That's really what it is. I, when I first when I first uh, went there at Ohio State and started actually practicing, it's like, damn, bro, you out there hooping? Ain't you out there hitting like little shaking bricks? Like, that's literally everybody said that shit because like my footwork and how I always reacted to shit. And I would use literally basketball moves. But like when I was younger though, like I was dedicated to basketball, AAU, all that camps, uh, Bob Nance, all that shit. I was doing all that to be a hooper. And I don't know, like I, I love football, but like. I really, as I got older, I'm like, I don't really mess with football. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to do the basketball thing. AAU all day, every day. CYO all day, every day. Trying to do something, just be in the gym. And then I don't know what happened. I really don't know. I would say when I got 15, <laughs> sophomore year, I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm just be dedicated to the football. I don't know what happened. I really couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you. It just flipped. I well, I do have to. I do have to mention, even though I know we brought it up off there right before. You, you did say you hated me growing up and coming into coming into high school, but I think that goes, like we said, back to that rivalry. Yeah. Um, you know, now obviously, 
I mean, I roomed with or I'm best friends with like four or five Ignatius dudes. Obviously, we're doing this call. We're all friends. But you know, talk mm-hmm. about that rivalry. You know, I think this is one of the first you know St. Ignatius guys that we've had on the podcast. But from a different perspective, you know, growing up in the Cleveland area, everyone knows St. Ed, St. Ignatius. Mm-hmm. Um, that rivalry was huge for me. That was that, that rivalry was bigger to me. It meant more to me than it did for Ohio State, Michigan. I'm be completely 100 percent honest and real with you. It's like, I mean, I hate Michigan, but I don't. I feel like I don't know. I didn't grow up playing against them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's different. Because I, I played against Sean before in middle school. I played against the Dallas before when they were in middle school. Like, I played against you, CJ. I, I, I played with you and against you. So, like, I don't I don't know. It was, just, it was like, more personal for me. I knew them, and I hated them at the same time. It was just, I don't know. The crowd yelling. Y'all here, y'all talk y'all smack, talk y'all shit. I'm like, man, y'all kept beating this. I'm like, man. Yo, I'm tired of y'all beating us. I'm going to beat y'all, I swear to God. I put everything into it. And when we finally beat y'all at y'all, at y'all crib back in 2013, I was 16. I was like, bro, we just beat these bums. Like, they suck. <laughs> I remember scoring everything. It was like, what was it, like 21 to 17, I want to say? No, it was low scoring, yeah. It was low score game. And I think that was probably my best game, too. Like, I went crazy against y'all, I felt like. Was that like, the game with the kick? Huh? Is that the game with the game when it kick? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it was the game when it kick. Okay, because I remember one of them games, y'all kicker, because y'all be having the cold kickers, boy. I swear, y'all. Oof. Dude, I don't know crazy. why. They're crazy. They do. No, no <laughs> that that rivalry was definitely definitely something because like I wasn't like you, Dre. I wasn't born into the rivalry. Like I'm out here in Twinsburg, like growing up, like you know, I didn't. Who cared about St. Ed's or Ignatius? But when mm-hmm. I got to Ed's. I realized real quick, like, damn, like everybody really hate blue and gold around here. So it was like a little like competitive thing. Like I never personally, when I was on a field, lost to Ignatius in football. So you can suck that. But then <laughs> basketball wise, I think I lost a little bit my senior year. I'm gonna blame that on Flan. We don't need we don't need to talk about that. But yeah, it was like, <laughs> unfortunately it wasn't a part of that one. I want but yeah, that, that rivalry was something, and I, I want if you can't send your kid there, at least go to a game or something like that, basketball or football, because those games are electric. I know. I would love to send my kid there so they can learn the history and why the hell I hated saying that so much. I still hate y'all. To be honest with you, <laughs> I'm I'm grown as hell now. I'm 24. I, I have no reason to be invested into what the hell's going on in high school. That's the only thing I care about is that holy war. I don't know why. I just don't. No, I yeah, don't that's a fact though. Like you, you, you can get as far removed from it as you want, but at the end of the day, like we could go, we could go zero and nine or whatever it is. But the, the last game of the year, we play you guys. Like if we win, yeah. it's a good season. <laughs> we'll take like, it. Yeah, we did it. We did it. Like, <laughs> we got, we got the wire <laughs> No, like, like it was, it was real deal. Like hey, like I said, like we talked about off air. There were some dudes who were genuinely good dudes. I realized once I graduated, you know, the burgers. Um, mm-hmm. I think Grosso, I, I met him a couple of times because I played against him at Boston College. So I met him a little bit. He was a cool dude. But in high school, though, never met them. But I, they walked in front of me. We got problems. So like that. Yeah, like same way with Stump. Like I, I ain't fuck with Stump until we got to college. Like, Stump cool as hell. Like I fuck with Stump. <laughs> uh, who else was that? Who was the white D lineman? I forget his name. He was cool. Uh, Parker Knapp? Yeah, Parker Knapp. I realized he was, he was Ohio State cool. for a year, I think. Yeah, I, I met him. He was like, it's cool. He did cool. I remember you back in the day. You know what I'm saying? I forgot Sean. I never really, I played against Sean. But I never really know Sean. I knew Sean was cool, dude. I'm like, damn, like, David and Andrew, they're cool people. And a little brother. 
Like, yeah, Mike, yeah. <laughs> like they're all cool. <laughs> but all right. time, I couldn't fuck with y'all. All right, yeah, but just I think that's what makes the rivalry so unique is like you know you kind of grow up knowing these dudes like your entire mm-hmm. life, playing with or against them, living within like twenty miles with each other, and then you kind of get to that that point in high school where you, you kind of are forced to hate them because you're playing them and you see them all the time. But you know, I think yeah. that's the difference between high school, college, and even the pros, I guess, is, you know, you knew these dudes ever since you were born playing with them or against them. And, you know, I think that, that, that drive, you know, that you have now, I'm sure in the NFL probably started, you know, maybe in high school, you just solely based on the fact you wanted to beat the shit out of St. Ed's or, you know, any other team that came across you guys. Yep. Facts, facts. Yeah. Oh. I can't talk to a Denver Bronco and not talk about what the hell went on halfway through the year this year with the, obviously this year was a whirlwind of, of a season, especially dealing with COVID. Just Mm -hmm. shout out to y'all for finishing the season first off, but Mm -hmm. I forget the exact week, but you guys played against the saints and the day before the game, it was uh, revealed that you guys will be out your entire quarterback room. Just and. Talk about that. What was the 24 hours leading up to the game like? And uh, Kendall Hinton himself, just talk about that game. Um, 24 hours prior before that game, we all came together in a meeting. We have position meetings first, and then we have defensive meetings and we have team meetings. So at position meetings, our coach kind of broke it down like, hey, you got to play, you got to play. I mean, fuck it. Like, I'm going to tell you this. I mean, these are exact, these are exact words. The Saints – are going to fucking run the fucking ball. So be prepared, anchor down, because they have nothing to lose in this game. We got we got to play. We got to go out there and have a quarterback. <laughs> what the hell is we going to do? So that was just tough mentally going into a, and going to a game, basically knowing, like, ah, the chances of winning this game are a 2% chance. Let's say Kendall goes out here and throws a ball out here like he Lamar Jackson. Like, how's it happen? Pretty much zero especially in this league but it was it was tough going into a game so you had to kind of just revert your mindset and being like hey this is going to be a pass packing game playing for pride playing not to lose about too much because <laughs> that's really what it was and I thought personally from my own, my own personal game I thought I played great I laid the team in tackles uh some pressures and TFL I was cool so I was like hey man I got a, I got a personal victory for myself but it was it was tough man like the spotlight was on us. Everybody in the world was going to watch us because we we're the first team ever, not ever, but I think the first team in a while. I think since the 19-somethings, I don't know, I couldn't tell you. But who hasn't who hasn't had a quarterback to play with? So that was rough, man. Now, you may know or not know for sure, but is it true that you were trying to get an assistant coach to play quarterback that game? That is definitely true. We had to quarterback. The league wouldn't let us. Lee, Lee, the league is janky for that one. They should have let us have play with the coach. That would have been hilarious. I would have, I would have fun seeing that. That would have been, that would have been awesome. I don't know why they didn't say like that. Would just brought more people to watch the game. Like that would just yeah. add so much more. What's the worst thing that can happen? Like, come on, like, come on, bro. We got a practice squad receiver playing quarterback. Come on, come on. This, I would not get a coach. Like, who knows the playbook? Like, come on. Right. Let them get a ten day contract. I thought you might have been under center for a minute or something. Dude, if you would have, if I would have been there, I'd have been out there acting a fool. I'd have been throwing it to anybody. Like I'm getting loose. I have nothing to lose. I, I'm, I don't play quarterback. I'm doing this for fun. This is backyard football right now for me. I don't care who in front of me. I get sacked. Effort. Like I don't care. 
<laughs> it's funny though. It's funny because when I saw that he was starting, the name didn't ring a bell at first. And then they showed his picture pregame. And I was like, hold on. I played him at Wake. Like, hold on. Is this Wake receiver like really the starting quarterback today? I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, damn. So, like, this <laughs> shout out to him for doing that because I mean, I'm sure he was out there probably nervous as hell. But like you said, though, he ain't got shit to lose. So, fuck it. Yeah, bro. Like, you forever go down in the, in the Broncos' hearts. Like, you, we picked, we literally picked him up two weeks ago before the game. <laughs> I, I, he was with us during camp. We got cut. He wasn't on the team. Picked him up two weeks before that game. That situation happened. Hey, bro, you played quarterback for a season. You're a freshman back in Wake Forest. We need you to play quarterback 24 hours before the game. I commend, bro. I commend it. I didn't shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm watching the game with my pops. I said the the only good thing that can come away from this game is that since they both running the ball, this game will be over in about two hours. <laughs> I mean, that's what you thought. That's what it felt like to you. But I feel like that game was over. Whatever. I'm like, <laughs> can we just lose already? Because like, <laughs> it was hella three and outs though. So like that's true. You hella three and outs. I'm like, bro, if you really get to a point you're the sideline, you looking at this shit and you just laughing. You're like, bro. <laughs> All the league do this to us, man. <laughs> they said they, not, they kept postponing for Lamar, but they ain't gonna let y'all get out there. Man, they postponed for Lamar Jackson like three times, man. We couldn't get one. I'm like, bro, just move the game back to like Monday, please. Like Tuesday, something. We can play this. Like, just move it back a couple of days so we can get Drew back. They didn't care. <laughs> they didn't want us to make it. Uh, they didn't want us. The, the last question I have uh, pertaining to the Broncos specifically, um, your, your first interception was against recently retiree Phillip Rivers. Talk about that. Because I know Phillip's a guy who likes to talk trash, and he's notable mm. for that. Uh, what, what went on in that play, and, and what went after? I remember we called this – I remember like a play like this yesterday. We called this blitz. I remember earlier, kid you not in practice, coach always brought up, hey, man, we called this blitz, which allows you to go from the B-gap to the C-gap because that linebacker outside of you is containing based on – which way to make that call, I can possibly get a pick because they love to call screen on this down and distance from the um, – and based on the yards where they at. So, it lined up perfectly. Just like he said – just and just like he said it. It's like he wrote a book on this shit, and, and I just was a part of it, a part of it. Like, I had no control. But, like, talked about down and distance. Boom, it was that down and distance like he always talked about. He called the blitz. We ran it. He says more than likely it's going to be a screen on this, on this, like, part of the field. It, it was a screen – I see the ball. I don't think I don't, he. I don't know how he didn't see me. I'm standing right there. He threw it directly, like I mean, slightly to my right. But I like jumped up, caught it. I thought I was gone the way I was trying to run. But like the old lineman grabbed me immediately. But that was lit. Like for me, I'm like, man. Not only did I catch a pick, but I caught a pick against Philip Rivers. Like universally, he is known as one of the one of the greats. He's not like a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's one of the. Well, I mean, honestly, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback in my eyes. But yeah, man, he's just one of the greats and. To get against him in that moment to help us win too, it was lit for me. I was I was done. I'm like, I'm good for the I'm good for the year. Like, <laughs> I don't need anything else. This is a like we had like like four or five more games left, and I was I was satisfied. That, uh, <laughs> like it was it was amazing. That's I wish funny. he had a, by the way on that picture I posted yesterday. I wish he had an Instagram so I would have tagged him. <laughs> I was looking to tag him. The crazy thing with him is he probably would have clapped back with something too. He probably would have. I wouldn't care. I got I got some of the <laughs> to talk shit to me. That's all I wanted. I just want something. A little sound. Bite. I mean, <laughs> yeah. one of his little rants that he goes on. Mm, doesn't cuss. Yeah, he goes like it's like a weird. He, he talks. He talks his shit, but like he doesn't cuss. 
it's almost it's it's, it's meaningless like jabber is like it, it don't it's i don't know like it, i don't know how to really describe <laughs> it bro like i don't I, I don't know no one does no i don't think oh, i think okay. it's because he's got like 35 kids that he can't swear in front of them so like he just <laughs> carries over and it, it it can get personal the how he said too the way he said it, it's almost like, it's almost like he cussed at you but he didn't like it's like it's <laughs> So who do you know that uh, – is he the guy that talks the most trash that, trash that you've been going up against, or is, is there a person that comes to mind? Mm, the person that comes to mind that's talking most junk? Uh, aside from me, though, on the basketball court. Aside from you on the, on the court? <laughs> There's a lot of people, to be honest with you. But I, the person I got the, I got the tail end of it was uh, – I don't know if you're – not talking about town, I don't think I know him, but I know he is just being around the league, just watching it. But his name is uh, Trey Turner. He's a mm-hmm. Pro Bowl right guard. <laughs> you know Trey Turner? <laughs> yeah, so he's a Pro Bowl. He plays for the Chargers now, but he played with the Panthers for years. He went third round, um, and he talks the most shit. But he gave my, he gave my props, though, when I, I got a sack off. Now I ain't got a sack off him. I almost did plenty of times, but we were going on at the whole game, and he was just trying to be, like, respect and love and say, hey, yo, keep going. And he was like, you a little eater, for real. I kind of, I kind of took that. I'm like, damn, bro, you like, you a fucking five, six time Pro Bowler. So I respect that. Like, I appreciate that. I got one last question before we get to our little game at the end. And uh, Flan, you can tag on if you need something else. Who's the guy who doesn't get enough credit from the media, uh, but you think is like like that? Like he he good for real? Who repeat that? Who's a guy who you don't think deserve gets his the level of respect that he deserves from the media, but he's when you go up against him, you understand that this dude's like that. He good. Personally, from the longest time, I thought it was Baker. I thought Baker was good, but like he was getting, he was getting some heat from the media for a minute. I thought. Absolutely. Um, As a Browns fan, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm not a Browns fan. I'm a Broncos fan. But <laughs> of course, they sign your checks. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But uh, let me think. Uh, it could be even from your own know. team, even wherever. My own team. Mm. You think it's Drew Lock? Nah, nah. I, I, I personally, I feel like it's Drew. Has, Drew doesn't deserve the the pressure he's been getting or the the negative media he's been getting, but he kind of does a little bit just based on how our record's gone and and I guess his. You look at the stats and match what they're saying to, in terms of he's had one of the worst QBRs or completion ratings in the NFL, and that's true. But he gonna snap next year. I think he will personally. Just unsolicited, unbiased. I think Drew gonna be a dog. The weapons, y'all gonna y'all gonna smell. Yeah. Oh, I can I say did. my team. So somebody who doesn't get love. He went to Oregon. Uh, his name was Royce Freeman. I think he a dog, but you know what I'm saying? They don't, no one talks about him because we got Melvin Gordon and Phil Busy, but I think I think uh I think Royce is a dog. That's uh, noted. I'm gonna put that away in my brain so I can add him to my fantasy team next year. Oh, okay, <laughs> perfect. But I do I do have to add CJ talked about Madden. Uh I I do have you on my Madden team. So I don't know if like that earns more points or something, but like, you know, I'm trying to get some stacks, some Pro Bowls, maybe we'll see what we got. But Dude, I'm I'm balling. I'm realistic. I'm balling so I get my Madden rating up. My Madden rating was trash at the beginning <laughs> of the year. It got better. I was a 69 to start off this year and now I'm a 74. So they, they've shown me love a little bit. 
They they got That's your cool. speed low though. They got your speed a little low for my. Yeah, life. they got it kind of low. It's cool though. I mean, it's cool. It's just it's a progress. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's gonna take some time. I need an eighty speed you. out of you. I need yeah. an eighty speed. Is cool. I'm like I'm like a I'm like a seventy seven and like an eighty five acceleration or something like that. Nah, nah, that's too low. That's too low. I'm like, <laughs> I can be eighty five, eighty five. Come on, man. And when y'all negotiating the contracts, I'm sure they bring up the Madden rate. Like, come on, bro, you a seven. I'm like, my contract, yo, yo, contact Madden. I need at least a ninety. Off the off the top. But no, I was I was pissed by Madden. Just this is a little quick sidebar, man. I remember I played Madden for the not for the first time, but my first time playing with myself last year. That sounds weird, but playing with my my Madden self last year. um, I had like I had defeated a block, and somebody was the Vikings, and Dalvin and Dalvin Cook had the ball, and I got trucked by Dalvin Cook. I'm like, this is unrealistic. <laughs> like I would never <laughs> in my life get trucked by a running back that's six foot and two twenty. So, no, I don't care who it is. I don't care Nick Chubb, Kareem. I don't care who it is. You're not trucking me like that. It's just not happening. Like full on boom me. I'm like and scored off that. I was pissed. No. There's a there's a lot of lot wrong with Madden and their game. Like that's a whole different talk that we can go on a whole podcast for. Just being a gamer head like I am, but yeah. a lot wrong with Madden. Have you now when you play with no now that you said it, I can't get out of my head. When you play as your Madden character, do you give yourself a 99 treatment or do you legit try to like you know work yourself up? No, I try, I try to grind me. So I, I put myself at at least an 80. I only click on myself. I swear to God. Yeah, get the and stats up. Gotta get the stats up. I get my stats. I get my stats. I get like two sacks a game. Right now, I'm playing myself right now. I got like 19 sacks a year. I wish I wish that was real life. You got the <laughs> X Factor. You gotta have an X Factor by now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the I'm the captain of the team. <laughs> the biggest contract. It was it was contract time. I gave myself that five year, two hundred mil. <laughs> oh, come on now! I, I treated myself on that. I have to. For sure. I had to do it, bro. Man, you got anything else? I'm good. I'm I'm good. He covered a lot of stuff. I appreciate it. All right. So what we're gonna do right now, Dre? We're gonna do this thing called rapid fire. We throw you a question, and you just get the first thing that come to mind. All right. Hopefully, I don't say anything stupid. You know, yourself. No, we enc- we encourage that because I, I every time I talk usually it's something stupid. So okay, cool, perfect. Yeah, matches energy. All right, favorite athlete growing up, LeBron. If you had one superpower, what would it be? It's been super speed for the longest. Slash turn super saiyan. As <laughs> Dragon Ball Z fan over here, guy. Mm-hmm. All right, we got a, a private dinner for you. Three people are invited, dead or alive. Who coming? Oh, uh, um, uh, mm, I want to say Temptations, but there's like more than three. All right, well, uh, as a one, as a, as one, they can come as one. As one. All right, so I got the Temptations. I got uh, Martin Luther King, and I got Jesus. Great answer. Good group. Good group. If you weren't a football player, what would you be? The bodyguard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you know you would want to be in the league. I, to... I was waiting no, for I, it. I, I'm, I'm playing basketball. I'm playing overseas basketball for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you're only 6'3". Everybody feel like they can make it to the damn NBA, guys. <laughs> Hell yeah, shit. Me and PJ Tucker going to be out there hooping. <laughs> <laughs> what you Ben's watching right now? Uh, Cobra Kai. Who was your role model growing up? Mm, parents, they went. They got them. 
Got you. Um, what you listening to right now? A lot of gunner. Okay. Last question for me. Favorite sports team, not including the team you're on currently. Um, I gotta go with my my trio, big three of the Indians, Cavs, and Browns. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, my last question, I got the idea from asking our last guest, Dylan Maven. So it's the AFC championship game. Y'all playing against Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs. You had four and a half sacks and a and a, and a forced fumble. That sounds about right. But y'all <laughs> lost. Or you didn't got pancaked about six times. You didn't got room a couple blocks, but mm. you made the game winning fumble recovery to send y'all to the Super Bowl. Which one you picking? Four and a half and <laughs> One strip, strip sack, whatever you said, force yeah. fumble. Get your yeah. bag. Get your bag. Absolutely. I, got you, man. I love the team, you know what I'm saying? But I, got, <laughs> I got pancakes six times. I, I'm not starting next week. Like, I'm, not. <laughs> I'm sorry. They might, they might send you down to the practice squad after that. Yeah, they might, they might fucking remove my ass from real. I'm like, yeah, I can't. Nah, nah, I can't. Hey, man. It, Appreciate you coming on, man. You always been good people, like you, like we didn't talked about. We didn't known each other for more than a decade by now. So I appreciate you taking the time out your busy day and, and stopping by. Appreciate your peoples, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. I know you were trying to get me on for a while. You usually were asking me during the season. I was busy, but yeah, this is the perfect time to do it, man. I appreciate y'all considering me and having me on here. No, thank you. We appreciate it. I know you're busy and you know you're welcome anytime. Stay healthy and, and good luck in this off season next year. Yes, sir, man. I'll talk to y'all boys. Mm-hmm. All right, peace.